everyone, and welcome back to Jeff's Bible Trek. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood here in the great Pacific Northwest. Yes, it rains a lot here, but as I said before, that's what makes it so green here. It's only brown for about half an hour a year here. That, that's right. It's awesome. <laughs> um, hey, um, in our last episode, we began discussing the topic of faith declarations how we started this journey as a church a number of years ago and what we found as we searched out this topic in the Word of God. We focused mostly on faith declarations spoken into someone else's life last time, and I want to continue in that vein today. I want to take you to Psalm 20. Psalm number 20 is a great model of a pronounced blessing over others. Listen how it goes. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings, Selah. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. O Lord, save the king. Answer us when we call. And this is a blessing that was sung. That brings new meaning to Ephesians 5, verse 19, where it says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So there's probably speaking and singing there. (laughs) There are hundreds of other examples in the Old Testament of pronounced blessings and people then becoming a recipient of those spoken blessings. Perhaps many of these people took their inspiration from one of the most amazing scripture passages in the Word of God because of the truths that it seems to contain. I'm talking about the priestly blessing in Numbers 6, verses 22 to 27. Excuse me. So here's how it goes in those verses. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, Now already we've seen how blessing put upon people is connected with saying things. And so it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So, (laughs) this is is so amazing. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Wow. Some of us may have looked upon this passage with some degree of skepticism because it smacks of some kind of incantation and conjuring. (laughs) But in light of what we've learned so far, is it so far-fetched that great blessing can come to people through faith declarations such as this? Now let's look at this in a little more detail. 
First, these words were to be pronounced by priests. Not just anybody could do it. But there's a neat little New Testament truth. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? That says we are all priests. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare, declare, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It's interesting he uses the word declare here, because is it possible we will not only declare the praises of God, but priestly blessings as well? So we all can pronounce blessings on people because we're all priests, if you're in Christ today. Let's look at this blessing in greater detail. The word bless, this is amazing. You really need to get a hold of this because you'll never look at the word bless or blessing the same after this. You'll never read the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 the same anymore after this. The word bless means to fill with power, to succeed to prosper, to have longevity and health, to be fruitful, and to have the favor of God. If you knew you could look at someone and say, the Lord bless you, and have the favor of God come upon their life, would you do it more? And I don't mean just when they're sneezing either. (laughs) He uses the word keep also in verse 24. And this word means to hedge about as with thorns. So it means to guard, to protect, to attend to. So if you knew that by saying the Lord keep you, that you could put the protection of God in place around someone's life, would you do it more often? I think so. Verse 25, make his face shine upon you. Now, this is fairly explanatory. It's like the difference between getting frowned at by your father when you were little and him beaming at you with great pride. Once again, it implies that by pronouncing this blessing on someone, God will look with favor and pride upon them. Also in verse 25, be gracious to you. Now, this means to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. And saying this in faith to people would bring the compassion, mercy, and grace of God to their life. In verse 26, he says, turn his face toward you. In the King James, it says, lift up his countenance upon you. I read something on a Jewish website that said the picture in the Hebrew here is of a father tossing his son up above him, and in the process, the father's countenance is lifted up upon him. I used to do the same thing with my kids when they were little. It was a blast listening to them laughing, seeing the complete trust they had in me to keep them from falling, watching their hair fly upward on their way back down into my hands. It's a neat picture of our Heavenly Father in this kind of relationship with us. Can we actually foster this kind of relationship in other people's lives by saying this to them? May God turn His face 
towards you? I think so. In verse 26, he says, give you peace. Again, fairly self-explanatory, but peace, the Hebrew word shalom, it's a huge word. When people said shalom to someone, they were releasing a barrage of blessings, such as completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. So it means completeness in numbers, safety and soundness in body, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, and friendship. That's right. All of that is balled up in that word shalom, that we just translate peace. Can we actually bring these things into people's lives with our lips? Well, why not flex our faith a little bit and begin to move in this? All of these wonderful things are associated with the name of the Lord. For God then said that by pronouncing these things upon someone's life, quote, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them, unquote. Listen, there is a very clear principle here. When Old Testament priests pronounced specific blessings over the Israelites, God put his favor and blessing into their lives. He blessed them. He protected them. He looked with favor upon them. He extended his kindness to them. His face shone upon them. His peace became a reality in their lives. Well, what does this say about the power of blessings spoken by New Testament priests, you and me, into the lives of people? Has this power diminished? No. If anything, it has increased because of the anointing has put on our tongues through the power of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, the things that we say, the things that come out of our mouths is the number one most talked about topic. In chapter 10 and verse 11, it says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. In chapter 10 and verse 21, it says, the lips of the righteous nourish many. In chapter 11, verse 11, it says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Now, this begins to introduce the idea that both good and bad can emanate from our mouths. In chapter 15 and verse 24, it says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Again, it can be used for good or bad. And this is nowhere clearer than in chapter 18, verse 21. It says there that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. And the Amplified Version adds, for good or evil. So listen, we need to take inventory. What is coming from our mouths? Words of death or words of life? Then Jesus comes on the scene. Here's some things that Jesus said. In Matthew 12, 36 and 37, he said, But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. 
Once again, you can see there the difference between life and death coming from our lips. In chapter 15 and verse 11 of Matthew, he said, What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. So I say, does it not make sense that if what comes out of your mouth makes you unclean, then our words are also capable of making us clean because of what comes out of our mouth? Matthew 18 and verse 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, when you bind something, the power of God will back it up. When you loose something, the power of God will back it up, and something powerful will be loosed or released into the atmosphere or a person's life. Chapter 11 of the book of Mark, verses 20 to 24 It says in verse 20, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Jesus said, Have faith in God. If you look in the Passion Translation, it says, Have the faith of God. You remember I was talking in the last episode about how God had faith in his own words. So he's saying here, have the same faith that God has. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So there you have declaring and asking in the same passage. Declaring in verse 22, asking, I'm sorry, in verse 23, and asking in verse 24. Then the day of Pentecost comes along. Tongues of fire came down on the apostles and gave them power for service. It's what caused a group of guys who were cowering in a room for fear of their lives to go and stand in the middle of the marketplace and shout out the gospel. Oh, here's a question for you. Why tongues? Why was tongues the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me ask you another question first. Why was circumcision commanded in the Old Covenant? Because God was putting his sign and seal on the instrument through which the promises of Abraham would come. And that led to a great deal of life and lives, like the sand on the seashore, God promised. In the same way, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the sign and seal of the new covenant. Because that is how life is to proceed into the world in the new covenant, through our lips. It's how the gospel is preached. It's how I'm communicating life to you right now. It's how you give life to one another. And it is how you can create an environment or an atmosphere for life to thrive. 
Okay, let's crank it up a notch. <laughs> uh, how many of you like cars? I see those hands. All right. Or know someone who does. For those of you who like them, how many like fast cars? For those of you who do, do you know what a supercharger is? A supercharger increases the pressure or density of air supplied to an internal combustion engine, giving it more oxygen, letting it burn more fuel and do more work, thus increasing power. And what is a shout? A shout is a loud vocalization in which air is passed through the vocal cords with greater force. Shouting is to faith declarations what a supercharger is to the engine. It is supercharged speech. It has great spiritual power when released through the lips and into the atmosphere. You see in the scriptures that it was used during times of war, times of conquest, times of victory. It was a shout that brought down the walls of Jericho. Listen to Psalm 47, 1 to 5. You've heard this before. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. And listen to this last verse. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. And then there's Psalm 107. This is a remarkable, remarkable psalm. I won't read it because it's long. But four groups of people in this psalm that got in trouble. Those wandering in desert wastelands, those sitting in darkness, suffering in chains. And as I'm reading these, keep in mind that these all have spiritual equivalents in your life. Some of you have probably walked through desert wastelands. You've probably sat in darkness before, not knowing which end was up and suffered in chains. The third group was those who became fools through their rebellious ways. And the fourth group is those who ran into fierce waves out on the ocean. In each case, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he, God, saved them in their distress. That word cry in Psalm 107 is used, that means shriek, shriek. It's a loud noise. (laughs) There's a lot more that we could say about shouting. I'll just say this. Shouting is to the atmosphere what earthquakes are to the earth. I call it an airquake. And why do I keep mentioning the atmosphere? Because That is the meaning of the word translated air in Ephesians 2.2. And Ephesians 2.2 says that before we came to Christ, we, quote, followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, or the atmosphere, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, unquote. So why did I go into all of this? Because this, faith declarations, is the one step you need in order to pull the promises of God into your life. 
It's that simple. For example, one of the promises to Abraham is this, I am your shield. So your faith declarations as you walk through your house or drive in your car to, to pull this promise into your life is simply getting something along the lines of, Lord, I know that you are my shield. I know that you encompass me about and protect me. I know that I walk about in safety because of your promise to be my shield. And anything else you can think of to declare about this promise or any other promise. So, armed with that, in the next session, we're going to start in on some of the key promises God made to Abraham and therefore to you. (laughs) I can't wait. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a wild ride. God bless you all.